Hello and welcome to the BS History Podcast. My name is BS Dreyer and whether or not those initials are fitting, I'll let you judge. Now, it's been a while, but uh, I'm back podcasting again and I'm very much happy to be uh, to be back recording. Had a lot of issues with uh, technology and with this, that and the other and uh, no money to buy any new equipment for for a long while, so um, so I'm glad to be back, and I'm I'm glad to have an interesting episode. I hope. Just south of the Caucasus mountain range, the river Kura flows. On the banks of this river, in an area with numerous sulfurous hotspots, lies a city aptly named Warm Location, or in the native Georgian, Tbilisi. Tbilisi is the capital city of Georgia, which of course makes it an interesting place all in its own right, just for that very reason. It's also a great example of a city in the very center of what was then the known world, right between Asia and Europe, which came to be dominated by many different powers throughout its history. The story of Tbilisi is unique but it mirrors many other cities in the Caucasus region, and indeed many cities from Eastern Europe through the Asian continent have seen similar tumultuous histories as Tbilisi has because their location made them coveted hubs of commerce and multiple powers over the years asserted their control over them. Let me first apologize up front for the numerous mispronunciations that I'm about to make throughout this episode. But um, with that in mind, let's dive into the history of Tbilisi. Tbilisi is in the crossroads where East meets West. In its recent history, dominated by Russia to the north, the story of the city actually stretches back far further than the Kievan Rus who eventually created the state that became modern-day Russia. It's a history that is epic and of course closely tied to the history of Georgia itself and the Georgian people. And indeed far too expansive for me to fully do justice in this episode. I do hope however that this glimpse gives a little perspective and perhaps reminds us all why a national independence is so highly prized in countries such as Georgia. Looking at the history of Tbilisi, one cannot help but understand the at times very severe response that the people of Georgia and the people of many similar countries with cities that share similar histories have to any threat to their autonomy. When Westerners view the present-day realities of Eastern Europe and Central Asia, Some are shocked by nationalist tendencies and fierce pride, but also surprised at the sophistication of these people and these places. It should not surprise us, however, when we consider that it is from their status as attractive commercial hubs, places of knowledge, places of multicultural, well, melting pots really, that places like Tbilisi found their fortune and their misfortune alike. But let's begin at the beginning, as it were. The year is 455 AD, 
It's the year that the Vandals would sack Rome, the third barbarian sack of that once great city, and the second last sack in the history of the Roman Empire. To the east, the dissolution of the Roman Empire has let Sassanid Persia dominate the area that is modern-day Georgia. Here, the king of the vassal kingdom Iberia, not to be confused with the Iberian Peninsula, uh, which comprises modern-day Spain and uh, Portugal, it has no relation. This vassal kingdom Iberia, precursor to Georgia, King Vachtang I, Gorgasali, is hunting in a heavily wooded area with a falcon, a favorite pastime of his. The falcon swoops down on an inattentive pheasant, who nonetheless tries to put up a fight. The two birds fall into a hot spring in their confused tussle, and both die. Vachtang, impressed with the spectacle, decides to found a new city here, and name it after the natural phenomenon he just witnessed. Or so legend would have it. Unfortunately, archaeologists, being the killjoys that they are, have determined that humans settled the area as early as the 4th millennium BC, and uh, around 100 years earlier, Varus Bakur I, a king belonging to the same dynasty as Vakhtang, has already built a fortress there according to written sources. Why the story surrounding the founding of the city was retold the way it was is not certain. Perhaps it was uh, Varas Bakur's animosity towards Christianity, which in his time had only recently supplanted the Iranian Zoroastrianism that his ancestors had brought with them from Iran as the official religion of that dynasty, um, while Vakhtan, on the other hand, was a devout believer. It's not certain. It's probable that the city had seen some hard times, and it is very likely Vakhtan who renewed and rebuilt parts of the city around this time. And it was the son of Vakhtan, Dachi, who moved the capital of Iberia to Tbilisi, making the city the center of the Georgian world and culture pretty much ever since. As soon as it had been established as this center, however, the ever-changing power politics of the region came knocking. In the east, the Byzantine Empire had risen, and as the successor of Rome, in the east at least, was keen to expand their sphere of influence, inevitably clashing with the Persian Sassanids who had their control of the Caucasus region at the time. The Sassanid Empire mostly succeeded in exerting its control over the area, and although the Kingdom of Iberia was abolished around 580 AD, Persia maintained its, hegemon uh, apologies, its hegemony, hegemony, that's a difficult word, <laughs> its hegemony, more, Persia maintained its hegemony more or less for the next century and a half. Although the Byzantines tried to dislodge them multiple times, most notably in 6, uh, 627, when allied with the Khazars, those great warriors who hailed from the steppes on the other side of the Caucasus mountain range, the Byzantines took Tbilisi and sacked it. Throughout all this, the local people managed, however, to maintain their culture. At the point of abolition of the Iberian Kingdom, an Iberian 
well later Georgian identity was however, firmly established and although for a while the Persians exerted greater control or at least attempted to by abolishing this client kingdom centered around the Kartli uh, geographical area it was now a predominantly Christian Georgian speaking ethnic people that inhabited this geographical area known as Kartli just south of the Caucasus mountain range which is where Tbilisi is and although they were in for another three centuries without through autonomy it was an entrenched ethnic group that inhabited the area of modern-day Georgia in 737 after centuries of Persian dominance a century of Arab rule was ushered in by the armies of Marvin II of the Umayyad dynasty. Arab rule was in some ways a bit of an improvement for the Georgians. Most were allowed their customs and religion, and a few even converted to Islam. Tbilisi was however at this point a commercial hub, where people of all nationalities gathered and the clear center of political power in the region, so the new Arab rulers established the Emirate of Tbilisi. Tbilisi became a majority Muslim city as a result, and the centuries of Arab control left its mark on the city and its architecture. Although challenged by the Khazars, the Emirate survived until 1122, when David the Builder, who was then king of the Kingdom of Georgia, conquered the city. This came after a long period of waxing and waning of many kingdoms in the area surrounding the increasingly small emirate. In the Georgian heartlands of Kartli, a family, the Tau, an offshoot of the Bagratid uh, dynasty, had consolidated power, and when David took the throne, it was high time to usher in a new era for the Georgian people. Tbilisi was coming into the fold of this expanding kingdom, just as the Georgian Golden Age started, which was an era roughly between around 11,000 to the 1230s AD. 11,000, I said, 1100s to the 1230s AD. Apologies. Tbilisi was poised to rise to prominence and did so quickly. Peace was back, and David the Builder had rebuilt the city. Tbilisi was close to the Silk Road, although rarely used itself as a stopover, there were multiple stations on that all-important trade route that were no more than a few days' travel from the Georgian capital. This meant prosperity. It also meant that the arts and letters uh, thrived in the city. It was during this period that the poet Rustaveli wrote the poem Vet <coughs> Vetkist Kauzani, which I definitely butchered, uh, apologies, or the uh, Knight in the Panther's Skin, as it's known in English, an epic poem that was an allegory for the glorious 30 year reign of Queen Tamar the Great, one of Georgia's most celebrated rulers, and the poem in her honor was, until recently, almost always part of a bride's dowry in Georgia tells you a little something of the high esteem the Georgian people have held her in ever since. And a little something of how good it was to be Georgian back in those days. The good times would not last, however. 
in uh, 1236, Georgia, like virtually every other location along the Silk Road, came under Mongol dominance after crushing military defeats. Nominally, Georgia continued to be a self-ruling kingdom, but first Tbilisi was controlled by Mongols, and then Timur the Great, himself of Turkic Mongol origin, conquered the city in 1386. A few generations later, in 1444, it was invaded and destroyed by the Persian Jahan Shah, and by the early 1500s, the Safavid dynasty in Iran had succeeded in getting control of the area. Briefly, the Iranians were ousted by David X of Kartli in 1524, but soon after reconquered and for the next century, the next two centuries, in fact, Tbilisi and Georgia were under firm Iranian control. Like Iberia before it, Georgia was again a vassal state of Persia. By the mid-1700s, Georgian rulers again began to reassert their autonomy. This went relatively well until 1795, when the development prompted the Iranian ruler Aga Muhammad Khan to try and re-establish Iranian control in the area, and Tbilisi was again devastated in a war, brought on by larger powers coveting the prosperous lands of the Georgians. Now the Georgian rulers turned to Russia for help. The Russian Empire was expanding fast, and it was keen to put Georgia under its sphere of influence. The Georgian kingdom, Kartli Kakheti, as it was named at the time, became a gubernia, a, a governorate in the Russian Empire. After centuries of Muslim rule by Arab and Persian powers, Tbilisi, although it lost its nominal independence, saw a, short, saw a sharp cultural shift towards their fellow Christians in the north. Tbilisi soon became a favorite spot for many prominent Russians. Architecturally, the town also changed dramatically. New churches and European-style buildings sprung up all over the city. Tbilisi was at this point a center of commercial and cultural activity in the Caucasus region, as it had been for, at this point, more than a thousand years. In the tumultuous year of the Russian Revolution in 1917, Tbilisi briefly became the capital of the Trans-Caucasian Federation before Georgia declared independence, followed by Armenia and then Azerbaijan. The Georgian people had barely begun to assert their newfound independence when in 1921 the Red Army conquered the city after stiff resistance from the Georgian forces. The Bolsheviks had been quick to reassert as much dominance over their neighbors as possible, trying to re-establish the borders defined by the Russian Empire to the greatest extent possible. Georgia became a buffer state for the Russians yet again, now as part of the USSR, and Tbilisi became the capital of the state, first under the name Transcaucasian Socialist Federative Soviet Republic, that's a mouthful, until 1936, and then known as the Georgian Soviet Socialist Republic until 1991. It was during the Soviet years that the city changed its name to the more accurate Tbilisi from the earlier Tiflis in many languages.
Under Soviet rule, Tbilisi continued to function as an important cultural hub and as a recreational area for the Soviet elite, as it had been for the Russian imperial elite before it. Georgian resistance to Soviet rule happened multiple times, naturally centered around Tbilisi. The major demonstrations were in 1956, 1978, and 1989, mirroring patterns in other countries dominated by the Soviets. The 1978 demonstrations were in defense of the Georgian language when the Soviets tried to oust Georgian as the language of the GSSR, the Georgian Soviet Socialist Republic. And it is a highly curious case in Soviet history, actually, because Moscow relented. It backtracked and thus gave the Georgian nationalists enough of a concession to quell the demonstrations. The other two movements against Soviet rule in 1956 and 1989 were handled, however, with um, characteristic brutality by Moscow, um, with multiple deaths as a consequence. The city also rapidly uh, industrialized during this era, and new Soviet-style satellite cities sprung up around it. However, not all development of the period was about creating the architecture of the Soviet tomorrow. In the 70s and 80s, the city center actually underwent major reconstruction and preservation efforts. Following the dissolution of the USSR, Georgia, like Russia itself and many other former Soviet republics, battled high levels of corruption and mafia-like groups controlling much of Georgian life, especially in the cities, including Tbilisi. This came to a head in 2003, when the Rose Revolution, as it's known, began on the streets of the city. After successfully ousting then-President Edward Shevardnadze, Tbilisi has seen greater stability and an improving economy, especially in the tourist industry. Naturally, the uniqueness of the history of Tbilisi should not be understated. But the similarities between the history of Tbilisi and other major cities around the Caucasus and other major cities situated in and around the vast Eurasian plains is hard to miss. Visiting modern-day Georgia, not just in the architecture but in the demographics of the city, the status as a cultural and commercial center is still clearly felt. Tbilisi is a city where, despite a tumultuous history, the ethnic majority Georgians today coexist relatively peacefully with the many ethnic and religious minorities that also call the city home. Now that's it for Georgia and uh, Tbilisi for now. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at History, and uh, I'd like to thank you for listening.